We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to the Lineup HQ show. This is number three in a kind of a, a nice long series we're doing, showing you guys how to better use all the tools we have here at Roto Grinders. Uh, I've done the first two shows with Chris Jamina. We have sent him back into the cave. He's working on Slate IQ. He's working on ownership projections and all that stuff. And we have brought on a new face uh, to Roto Grinders, uh, Jordan Cooper. Uh, Jordan, I've uh, you know I've known you for a while. We're on the DraftKings play. Uh, we've been playing DFS for a while. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, they get to see your pretty face here on Roto Grinders. Welcome to the club, my man. Well, I'm glad to be in the little box. I'm I, I'm usually <laughs> watching other people in the box, and uh, this box smells a lot like Big T from last night. Oh man, well, I, I, I what did Big T smell like last night? I don't know. I don't know. I, all I know is that he uses that one gif over and over and over again that I, I can't get it out of my head. Oh, man. Yeah. Big T uh, loves those showdown slates. Didn't see him. Can't believe someone won the million dollars on that anyway. But uh, let's uh, let's focus here on we're going to we're going to get uh, Jordan's thoughts on how does Jordan use lineup HQ? He hasn't he just started working for Roto Grinders, but he's been in the discord. He's been using lineup HQ and all the tools on here for a while. Uh, just had himself a nice $20,000 win not too long ago, coincidentally, on those flat payout structures, Jordan, by the way. So you didn't get the 100000 On the first one. On the first one. We complain all this time. <laughs> all this time, I entered – well, I always said that, like, because it was flatter, I played more entries. So if it weren't flat, maybe I wouldn't have had that, that five-man Marlins stack in that lineup. 
Yeah, and maybe we'll talk about, hey, now that maybe pay- payout structures might be getting a little flatter. I don't know if we'll hit on it today. Do we adjust our strategy at all? These are all kind of things that, you know, you can do in Lineup HQ. But uh, Jordan does things a, a little bit differently than most. Um, and one of the things we wanted to talk about today is sort of how to uh, limit your player pool effectively to kind of play like the player you would be. If you were hand-making five teams, how do I translate those five teams into 50 or 100 teams kind of the same way I would make them, but but do them in a shorter amount of time without having to click all the buttons or anything like that. So uh, I guess, Jordan, I've got my screen share up here, and let's talk about limiting the player pool. Is it a good thing? Do we want to do it at pitchers? Do we want to do it at hitters? Should we do it at all? What's your thoughts on it? Well, generally with Lineup HQ, which I, I mean, I use on a daily basis, is that it's not meant to make the decisions for you. It's meant to get the combinations of lineups that you want from the decisions that you already made previously. So that's why uh, I, first thing I do in lineup HQ is I exclude every single player from the player pool. I don't want the situation that you'll see a lot of times where if you're optimizing with like zero range of outcomes, Mm -hmm. that it's going to start jamming in the top point per dollar plays, especially at those like, like the, the $2,500 Starlin Castros or the Tyler Whites that have a decent enough projection where they're like 2.8x. And if you're optimizing for 50 lineups, you end up with 42% of them. And it's like, well, I don't want to play any of them. It's like, well, why don't you just include the players that you want to play and then keep it simple as much as you can. I kind of like, if if you're working with an optimizer for the first time, kind of treat it like uh, your first time in bed. Like, take it slow, take it easy. I know you're going to fumble around. I mean, lot. I'd be on the page for three seconds, Jordan. There would be no uh, MMEing if, you, if you're understanding what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's kind of, well, that's kind of what I do. I want, I want to only have, I go through and I go like uh, with, with Slate IQ and I assess and I base it around like, okay, if I'm going to play cheaper stacks, that means I could play more expensive pitchers or more expensive one-off backs. If I'm going to play expensive stacks, I'm going to need cheap starting pitchers. A mm-hmm. lot of people go into lineup HQ and go, I want to play Chris Sale. I want to play Patrick Corbin uh, tonight at, at 10K, but I also want to play a Colorado stack. And they wonder why the, the, they're not getting enough of that in the optimizers because you just you don't have enough salary. Or sometimes you're, you're generating a, a ton of lineups and – uh, you're like, oh, I want to keep my pool to this, but you only have one second baseman in there. So it's forcing it into 100% of your lineups. You want to make the decisions first and then only include the players that you want. So, so do, you do, this at, do you do this at pitcher and hitter? Um, I do it so, everywhere. So, so everywhere, baby. So the first everywhere. thing you do, I'm gonna, let me show the guys how to do this. So you click, um, you click on all the teams. Right here, there's the all check mark. You click on that and you can see it takes everybody out and exclude everybody you take everybody out of the player pool i have never done this before so this is uh you know we'll stick to the the theme here virgin territory for me jordan so what do we do from here now we go back in let's start at pitching right how many we got a 15 game slate tonight so did the amount of pitchers you use differ on a 15 game slate from a eight game slate from a 10 game slate how do you kind of choose your pitchers how many do you typically use when you're playing I think it doesn't necessarily depend on the games on the slate, but more about how many lineups that you are using. So on a, on a nightly basis, I typically on slates that are double digits, 10 or more, uh, I may 
since I'm playing, I may be playing 60 to 80 lineups. And that includes not just in one contest, like in the 20 max $4. And like, I, I use my whole, whole portfolio of contests as all of my lineups. I'm not playing 200 lineups. I'm not also not playing 10 lineups. If I'm yep. playing 10 lineups, I'm just hand building. So on a, on a typical slate, I'm looking at, and I'm going maybe like for tonight for 15 games, I may only be playing six pitchers. Mm-hmm. seven pitchers do you separate do you separate them into do you take you know a couple high price a couple mid price a couple low price or do you just pick your your favorite kind of pitchers across the board well i look at where i could get the most amount of leverage since uh, you know i'm looking for especially in large field tournaments mm-hmm. like the, the highest end i'm looking for who what stacks are going to be owned more what pitchers are going to be owned more are the pitchers high variants I mean, I know Cheese in his articles always says about Robbie Ray, which coincidentally was the pitcher that I won the 20K with, that you play him when he's not chalk. And when he is chalk, you fade him because those are high variance pitchers that could either strike out 12 batters or also give up six runs in the first inning. So looking at that in like, for instance, tonight's slate, I think some high variance pitchers could be someone like, uh, like Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. is figured to be fairly popular at his price, but could be over-owned for that high variance. So it's quite possible I use Trevor Bauer in my pool just to get a high-priced pitcher in there if I don't want to play Corbin or Sale. Mm-hmm. I may just go underweight on them. So I may include them, but I'll limit my exposure to them as opposed to maybe not as many people are going to play Chris Sale at Yankee Stadium. And I want to be over the field. If he's going to be, let's say, it looks here right now, 13% owned, yep. maybe I want to play 22% of them. And he's a high-priced pitcher. And if I'm looking at cheaper stacks tonight, I'm going to need a high-priced pitcher just to use my salary. I mean, I ne- don't necessarily want to use all my salary, but I also don't want to leave 4000 on the table. So I do want to include a nice uh, amount of different range pitchers in my pool. So, like, if we use that example – like I would give, me, give me like give me like six guys or six to eight guys to throw in here. Just okay. Let's let's. This, we're let's not do. not so much about plays for tonight, right? A lot of people are going to be watching this later. So just more of the overall strategy. Give me some guys you you might be interested in. Tonight. Okay, let's go with Sale. All right. Let's go with uh, Caleb Smith against yeah. the Padres. Yep. Yeah, real real quick, guys. If you don't know how to do this right, this is a different uh, way than I think most people make lineups. We've excluded everybody to add them back in. There's the exclude um, player button here on the right you would just click that and then they're back into your player pool pretty easily. So um, go back and kind of tell me the, uh, the players you were adding. Okay. So let's, let's do a sale. Smith. Yep. Let's do Bauer for a little bit of him. Wheeler. And then let's go really cheap. Maybe try Pomerantz. And maybe another cheap pitcher. Let's, let's go with, uh, uh, I mean, Molly. Really How about Molly? Okay, there we go. We'll throw him in there. I don't mind him. And then uh, do we need anyone else in the mid-tier? You can go back to all, and we can see we've got a 10-8, a 9-7, a 9-2, an 8-7, a 6-2, and a 6-0. So you'll be able to get combos. You know, you gotta you got to kind of think like an optimizer. How is it going to work, right? So you'll be able to get combos of sale with Pomerantz, on, even with some good offenses. And then you'll be able to get sale with like a Wheeler or Bauer if you were doing cheap stacks. And you can get a combo of Smith and Bauer on a variety of different stacks today. So this allows you to get different combos of pitchers, even though you're only using six or seven or eight and there's 30 going today. If you just, you got to kind of think a little bit like uh, an optimizer, 
and allow yourself to get different combos in the price tiers is, is kind of what, what I'm thinking you're trying to accomplish here, Jordan. That's exactly right. So I know that uh, the two expensive pitchers, I need a cheap stack, which we'll get when we get the bats, we'll, we'll pick out one or two. Mm-hmm. And I know that we could play like a Molly Pomerantz together and get all those Rocky bats. Rocky's bats in mm-hmm. those expensive prices. So what your your strategy is, you're making sure you get the exact guys you want, not having the whole player pool or anything like that. It's a little different than what I do, but I didn't just win the $20,000. So maybe I'll play like this tonight, Jordan. Let's, well, uh, well, I know a lot of people that play what I call a portfolio strategy. I know. Yeah, that's generally what I do. I play a lot of different things. But in my general opinion, uh, I want to optimize for the times that I'm right, meaning that, I'm going to make my decisions. I'm going to play five stacks, six stacks. I'm going to play six pitchers or something like that. And I know that if I'm four times the field on the Giants tonight, mm-hmm. they hit 10 runs or whatever. I've given myself so many outs for being right in my other three spots and in my pitchers that if I'm right, I have multiple shots at getting first place rather mm-hmm. than, yes, I have the correct players in my player pool for the winning lineup. But since I played 120 players, that best lineup ends up with a a zero from some outfielder or a minus four pitcher that if I actually made a decision and said I committed to something beforehand, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been in there. All right. So I've let's we've moved from pitchers and we'll we'll discuss kind of some of your settings and all this other stuff in a minute here. So let's how does Jordan look at bats that he's want, right? We've got ownership, we've got Vegas totals, we've got point per dollar, we've got salary, we've got slate IQ, we've got plate IQ. There's so many different ways to try to figure out who the right teams are. So give 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 the people some general thoughts on kind of what you look for, and then how do we go about selecting some of our bats from the teams? Well, just like I wrote in an article recently, uh, when I pick stacks, it's all price, position and potential so like potential is like ownership and implied run total positions are does it give me enough combos like we see with seattle if like bruce vogelback and encarnacion are in this lineup like together bunched together they're all like first base eligible you get abreu and yonder alonso for the white Sox, where you can't play the three and four hitter together because they're both at the same position so i'm kind of looking uh in addition to the run totals, in addition to playing against a high variance pitcher that can get blown up, and then looking at the price per expectation and the leverage you get on slate IQ, mm-hmm. then you start making decisions. That's why looking at like the cheap stack, I'm looking at like the Giants, for instance. So if, right. we, if we go to uh, the exclude all hitters tab. I've got the Giants up here. You got the Giants up and you go, okay, it, Based on their expected lineup tonight, you get a second baseman, outfielder, catcher, first base, and third base right all in the top portion of their order. You could also throw in uh, a Sandoval because uh, Belt is also outfield eligible, and you can even throw in Brandon Crawford. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you what What's kind of your take on the bottom of the order hitters, too? I want to um, – some people leave them in. Some people take them out. I tend to in the National League – uh, teams I'll exclude if it's like a really bad eight hitter uh, I'll tend to exclude them a lot here do you so we're talking about the Giants as a team here do you leave them all in or do you take a couple guys out on the Giants well I kind of do similar to what you do I typically don't like eighth hitters in the National League batting in front of the pitcher typically the projection will kind of warrant and show yeah. that 
I also don't mind lower in the order hitters on away teams because they're guaranteed ninth inning at bats. So it's more likely that the bottom of the order will also get their fourth or obviously if they go off a fifth at bat. So I don't exclude them. I'll still include the whole Giants team in this case, for instance. Yeah. But like Pillar and Duggar, I may individually go to their max exposure yeah. and maybe set it at like 10%. Yeah, so I have global exposure set at 35%. That's on another page we'll talk about here. So if it's a player you want to, you know, it's a team you like, but a player you don't want a lot of, for example, you would you would change the max right here on Pilar and Duggar to 5%. So in your 50 lineups, you're not getting... 15 of them you're only getting like two or three or something like that that's exactly what i do so then you click on the x's and you include yep. all the giants so we'll do that so the giants are in there and i think you just gave everyone some good tips on how to play a little bit more like jordan let's add a couple of other teams in here and just kind of show people right the giants cheaper stack uh how do we go about maybe looking at some of the you know the chalk we got colorado on the slate and they have a run total of 115 i think the last time i looked at vegas tonight um what do you do with a team like that? If we go to Slate IQ, uh, and if you guys are premium members, you would have access to this. You can see uh, the total ownership on Colorado tonight is going to be pretty high, but Slate IQ takes a look at um, similar slates from the past, and it tries to determine on those similar slates, you know, this one's going to have a lot of 15 games. You know, here's what, a, you know, the team with the highest total, how often is it rostered? How often is it the winner? Is there any leverage? Colorado, it's got a negative 1.5. I basically, if it's somewhere from negative 20 to like 20, I don't know, that's kind of like a wash for me. The leverages change quite a bit too as ownership kind of dials in throughout the day. So if you're looking at Slate IQ and you're trying to make decisions off of it, it's pretty much best to always look, you know, six o'clock, 6.15, something like that, um, more towards when the, the last update comes in. Um, but how do you pick some of the, the teams with the high totals, the high ownership? What are you looking for there? Well, sometimes if I'm playing 60 to 80 lineups, I may still have like the highest winning expectation stack in there. Mm -hmm. I may just not be overweight. I may be under on it just so I have some options there. And that's especially if I'm playing very contrarian stacks, for instance. I don't think you need to go two percent on every slot mm -hmm. but there's a valuability to having chalk in your lineups if you're also playing very contrarian like if, if no one's going to play the giants mm -hmm. i don't mind a five i got bad news for you jordan the giants fourth highest on stack here <laughs> I, 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 don't know. I don't think and cashner is black magic so i don't even know if that's even a good idea mm -hmm. uh, to stack against him but I mean, but they are a cheap stack with a high, I mean, 4.2 winner percentage yep. is fairly high for what is a bad uh, Giants office uh, getting into a ballpark upgrade. But like, I would try to avoid like looking at a slate IQ, like Houston seems like a bad value mm -hmm. or, or obviously all the way at the bottom. Like sometimes you get these leverage percentages that could be really high, but like their overall expectation is like 0.4%. So just because the field is 0.2% yeah. doesn't mean you should be taking a ton of them. Yeah, you need like, if you're making 100 lineups, you have two lineups with that stack, you're way over the field on, on something like that. And you're still creating some leverage. So let's throw in a couple more teams into um, the lineup HQ here. 
from some good offenses. How many, it's a 15 game slate. How many offenses would you normally do uh, on a slate like that? Well, for 60 to 80 lineups, I'll probably choose five stacks. Yep. Maybe. So if and, we get and, and that five. shrinks, let's say if you were making 150 lineups, would you include more teams? Yeah. If I was doing 150 lineups, I'd probably, because the whole point is I want to be overweight on the decisions that I do make. Yep. So like if a stack is only going to be 4% owned and I have 8% of them, yeah. that's fine. But 8% of like 50 lineups is what is, is, is four lineups. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not enough for me. So like 50 lineups, I need to have 15 of that lineup All right. rather than just four of them. Mm-hmm. So for I'm like gonna... this type of slate, like five stacks seems like enough. Yeah, for the sake of this, again, the show isn't about picking teams for tonight. It's for long-term um, teaching people how to play. So I'm just going to start throwing some teams in here. I'm going to throw Boston in. They're a team I like tonight. It gives us, you know, it's a, a different team. They're a little bit more expensive. I think that works out well. Um, you mentioned you wanted to have Colorado in there. Um, what do you do, like, on a 15-game slate when they're the obvious chalk? I would tend to um, – fade I don't know kind of like you I wouldn't know if I'd completely eliminate them but when we get into kind of some of the build rules I would have less Colorado than I would some of the other teams out there if that makes sense no I agree with you completely but I'd still include all their players into the pool just to give lineup HQ enough information to go by I'm dramatically limiting my pool as opposed to just leaving everyone in so mm-hmm. I don't want to like continue to go, well, I don't want Ionetta or I don't want McMahon in the pool. It's like, I'm already only keeping like 50 people in the pool anyway. So if I get McMahon in three lineups, it's no big deal. It's just that I don't want some random person from some other team. Uh, here's, here's one that I do like. I like the Cubs uh, a little bit tonight. They're going to, I think they've got enough upside and power. Uh, they've got positive leverage on Slate IQ, right? Because it's factoring, Slate IQ is looking at, hey, the Cubs, their projections are a little bit higher, right? They have some power, they have some upside, and they're not going to be owned a lot by the field where they're they're likely to end up on winning lineups at a much higher percentage than the field's going to do it. Now, you don't need 20% Cubs lineups, but if you had, say, 10% or even 5% Cubs lineups, you're way over the field creating leverage. That's kind of the, the things I look at to incorporate Slate IQ into some of my decisions. Does that kind of jive with, with things you look at? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm weighing that in beforehand and then putting everything in. So, like, I'm not just going to line up HQ and then making my decisions. It's like, yeah. I'm going there going, these are the five teams I want. Let me put in the five teams into here. So I'll, I'll throw the Cubs in there um, against Nicholas. And one of the other things, too, if you – like I like the Cubs and I think Nicholas is going to draw some ownership tonight because he's pretty cheap. Uh, let me see here at our percent ownership. Nicholas uh, isn't, isn't really too high up there. I'll take the over on 4% Jamino. So if you're out there, bump that up a little bit, but uh, I, I think uh, you'll, you'll get some leverage too. If the Cubs stat goes off, you can take out, I don't know, 10% of the lineups that use Nicholas as their starting pitcher or something like that today too. So I, I like to in spots, um, kind of get the double leverage. Is that something you look at at all? Oh, yeah, especially if there's a chalk pitcher, especially a cheap chalk pitcher that isn't mm-hmm. all that good to begin with. It's like, yeah, because every negative point from the chalk pitcher plus the hitter points, you actually gain more points on the field than mm-hmm. just the hitters going off and just the pitcher getting blown up. 
I'm going to throw, uh, give me a couple other teams and we'll, we'll move to the other sections here. Okay. How many teams do we got right now? I think I got up to three right now. You got up to three. How about let's throw in, let's throw in the Red Sox. Uh, that was the second team I put in there. Okay. Let's throw in, uh, who's a good team? Okay. We got, let's throw in Cincinnati against Patrick Corbin. That seems like a nightmare, but I like the positional. I like Iglesias batting fifth at shortstop and Casali batting catcher, you know, at sixth. It gives right. you one of those because I'm going to show you what you should look at after you choose your five teams. All right. And let's get, uh, let me throw another one. And you got another favorite team for tonight? Uh, for tonight, uh, let's try, let's try the Royals against Ariel Girado. All right. That sounds good. I'll get the Royals in there. All right. So we've got five teams. This is Jordan style, right? So we can go back to all the all tab and you'll see the teams that we have, right? They're highlighted at the top here. You'll, you can quickly tell the teams we have somehow the Mets are in there, but I think that's because we have their starting pitcher in there, but uh, it's just the players from the teams that we want. I have a question for you on one-offs, right? Because if we're not just making five threes, right, we'll make some five and, and select one-offs. Are they just from the teams you like, or do you include, you know, five or 10 of your favorite overall batters from the night, 10 of your favorite value plays? How do you incorporate picking one-offs? I do pretty much that, but the first thing I'll do before selecting the actual players for one-offs is now go through and look at just the positions of the players that I have in my pool. So I just want to see how many catchers do I have? Do I have enough catchers? It looks like I have what? I have six catchers. Yep. That's plenty. That's good. Let's look at first baseman. Oh, that's plenty of first baseman. Let's look at second base. Oh, way too many second basemen. And third base, a plenty. Shortstop. Do I have enough? Sh- okay, I have enough shortstops. And outfield's looking good, too. <clears throat> okay. So, typically, like, if you're, if you're narrowing down your stack size, the first thing that I'm looking to do is, with the one-offs, have the one-offs in the positions that are the most scarce. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, like at shortstop, like if a lot of people are playing Trevor story and I'm going under on Trevor story, I can't just have three shortstops and Trevor story yeah. or the other two shortstops. I'm going to end up getting it like 45% each. And I don't necessarily want a, a 45% Jose Iglesias one-off <laughs> in my lineup as much so that's why going through and seeing that yeah so i've gone back to the excluded tab clicked on short stops uh how do you pick someone offs you look at point per dollar the plate iq score fantasy points um price what's kind of going to lead you into picking someone offs well based on the projections that i use and typically i use the cardi's the bat Mm -hmm. uh, i'll look at point per dollar compared to ownership and i know that ownership may not be out right now yep but uh we see like um you know manny machado against uh, Caleb Smith. That looks like a good point per dollar play. Mm-hmm. Smith now, should be reasonably popular as well, too. So um, if Machado does have a good game at a cheap price, um, you get a little bit of extra leverage baked in. Right. And I don't mind taking cheap, uh, like, more own one-offs to just add to my pool because I'm not specifically targeting them in lineups. I'm going through and trying to get the best – mix of my five-man stacks and if Machado just happens to appear in seven of them mm-hmm. so be it if he appears in two of them so be it if he appears in none of them I don't care but at least he's in my player pool and if the optimizer if lineup HQ has a slot for that player in that specific lineup as a one-off then I, I'm I'm not I'm limiting my player pool but I'm not keeping 285 people in yep. so that I get random people that I don't want 
All right, so I'm going to throw Machado in, and I think you can take what Jordan said about this and apply it to some of the other positions on your own time for the sake of keeping this video in, in sort of a, a shorter time frame. Um, just kind of take what he said, apply that to some other things. I'm not going to do it right here, but understand the concept of, of kind of what Jordan was talking about, adding one-offs. Uh, what I want to get to now is uh, real quick, I want to go over kind of how you use the build settings page and then we can talk about what stacks does Jordan make? How do you kind of incorporate all that? We'll make some, and then we'll kind of go over our process as well of, it, this isn't just a five minute exercise we're doing in lineup HQ, right? Me and Jordan, we both spend an hour, two hours kind of getting all the lineups we want by creating our build over and over and over again, looking through it, and then deciding I want more or less of this guy, tweaking it just a little bit, getting a final product and then using that at the end. It does take a little bit of a while uh, to kind of come across all, all those things. But um, what, what do you kind of do in, in some of the settings here? Walk us through as quick as possible. Okay, the general rule for range of <laughs> outcomes is that uh, the smaller of a player pool that you have, the higher range of outcomes you should set. And the larger player pool that you have, mm -hmm. the, the you do if you have a large player pool, you want a higher range of outcomes because if you set it to optimal, that's when you're going to get the Tyler White in 42% of your lineups because he is, like, based on the projections, 2.9x and the most optimal in that spot. So if you have a wide pool, keep your range of outcomes high. If you have a narrow pool, which means I'm only playing the people that I want anyway, I can keep the range of outcomes at – sometimes I keep it at zero. But, I mean, it could be 5 to 10% at most. Um, do you ever use the players per team? Someone in chat's asking that. Instead of this, I think I typically will limit my player pool on the main page instead of using the players per team. And I think you probably do the same, right? Right. I'm doing five-man stacks anyway. So, like, yep. I don't have to limit anything because if I get a 5-3 – like, I don't have to do that by team. Like, the optimizer is just going to do yeah. it for me. I don't regardless. think, I think, don't think uh, most people, I use this in NBA some, but I don't use this in baseball at all. Um, so, so what would you, you know, you've limited, uh, you know, do you go up to like 40, 50% in a range of outcomes? How do you, how do you do this? No, I go even lower. I go to like 10. Oh, even. Oh, so Much, you, when I have a narrow pool, like I've already chosen my players. I just want the optimal builds out of those players. If, right. I, if I was playing with like 80 players, in 50 lineups i don't want the, the 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 tyler white starling castros in a million lineups by setting it to zero so that's why i would have to set it to like 40 right. or 40. what do you use um you know in the way you play on on uniques typically three is fine yeah I, i'll i'll do three or four depending on what i'm feeling and then max exposure there's a, a couple of things you can you can go through and set kind of a max exposure you could use the prioritized lineups over max exposure, which will kind of force you to get enough lineups and will go over, you, you know, your max allotment if needed. Um, usually the typical, when you, when you have less players, you need a higher max exposure. You're just not going to be able to make enough teams. Um, so how do you go and, you know, I, I spend more time on that on pitchers, trying to make sure I get the percentages of the pitchers I want more so than the hitters. Um, but uh, 35, I got set here and, and then we can kind of mess around a pitcher, I think. I traditionally just leave it at a hundred because I just mm -hmm. want to see what the optimal is. And then right. if I need to set it down, I set it down, but typically I'm leaving uh, max exposure at a hundred and I'm setting uh, my pitcher max exposures individually. Yep. So like, if you go there right now to the, the pitcher pool, 
since you're only using what six pictures. Yeah. Let, and you have to realize that obviously the con the combinations in your head, like you can't set Pomerantz and Molly at like max five and then expect to get like expensive stacks in. So like Pomerantz and Molly for the cheap pictures, maybe I'm setting at 20% each. And then just kind of letting everyone else kind of rotate through or something like that. Right. And then all the other ones, I may not even set a, a max. Maybe I like Zach Wheeler a lot yep. today. So in, what I do is if I like a pitcher a lot that I want to be overweight on, he'll be the only pitcher that I don't set mm -hmm. a max exposure for. So let's say Bauer. I want to be underweight on Bauer. So let's say put him at 20. And then you put Caleb Smith at, let's let's say, 45. Sale at 45, and then you leave Wheeler open. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I'm getting 80% Wheeler, maybe that's what I want, and I could assess from there. All right. Um, real quick, do you use the ownership? I use this when I'm making a really wide variety of teams because it, it just helps me not get the two chalk pitchers with cores in Cleveland, right? I don't I don't want to have the chalkiest teams. I like to be uh, have have different lineups somewhere. This is a real quick general way to do it but i think in your focused approach i would imagine you probably leave these both at zero yeah i typically don't touch them at all yeah so if i was playing a wider swath i think it makes more sense than how we're talking about here um all of these uh, i think you would probably leave all those checked as well uh let's go to the hitter stacks page i've kind of pre-selected for you jordan um some stacks here um give me one second uh we're not going to be able to kind of go over we're just going to run a little bit low on time here so we've pre-selected they don't show up here um but from our player pool right we have kc we have boston we've got a couple of those other teams here do you just set them you know if we have five teams in there do you put your primary stack at 20 percent? do you leave a little bit of leeway say like you, you got to do some math in your head here right you got to kind of know what you're putting in here when you're making your lineups right so if the, we had five teams and we put the primary stack at 20%, it's going to cycle through each team, and then it will repeat like another team. So we'll get a really even distribution. If we had five teams and we left it at 25%, it will go through the top four teams, and then it has the ability to get more of the highest projected team as well. So we might have a little uneven distribution here. Um, so this is kind of important. you got to kind of think about how you're playing, what teams you're, you're trying to make, how you want to play as a player, because what the percentages you put in here, even if they vary by a, a small amount, you can really make teams that you're really not intending to make sometimes. So how do you kind of decide what you're going to do here? Well, typically I'll set, if I'm playing five teams, that's obviously 20% each. So I'll start it at 20% for each of the individual teams. And then I'll go in and I'll go, well, I think I'm, if I'm going to play some expensive starting pitchers, I'm mm -hmm. probably going to need more San Francisco stacks. So I'm going to set maybe San Francisco to like maybe 28%. All right. For well, let's throw that in here. Um, and even though, right, we put 20%, it's only pulling from our player pool. So we didn't have the Yankees in our player pool. Even though it's at 20%, I'm not going to get any Yankees here. At least I'm hoping we don't get any Yankees. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Um, so let's try to run this. And I, I want to talk to about stacks. Um, one of the important things to do every day is go to Slate IQ. And you can see the leverage on the stacks here. And what you'll notice, the bigger the slate, the more in favor the five-man stacks are, right? So we have a 15-game slate today, and there's no surprise, the, the best 
leverage stack is the one that contains the Morse co correlation is a five man with a three. I'll typically mix five, five, two, five and one offs. I'll throw in some, some four threes because it just kind of lets you get a, a couple different combinations. If you select maybe 10 one offs instead of the one we did. Um, but I think on a, on a big slate like tonight, I, I would just be making five mans. And as you can see here, uh, I've done some work for you. I've pre-selected only five mans. Okay, but I'd, I'd keep it even more simple. I, I believe in the KISS theory. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. So yeah. I, I, what I typically do, and I think for people that are beginners to intermediate in using lineup HQ or optimizers in general, because we're not even getting into even more advanced stuff mm -hmm. where you're generating lineups 50 times and tweaking individual guys. Because yeah. like, we'll, we'll do I another so video. I'll, we'll get you on probably some point next week, right? And we'll do another video where... We kind of bypass all the stuff we already talked about, and we'll spend a lot of time on this screen. So Right. So to me, I just select 5X, and that's it. So Give me 5X and 100%. I want to make sure I'm getting my five-man stacks right. All right. So um, there's a couple questions on what we sent on secondary stack. I think if you were trying to get five threes and five twos, I would probably, right, probably just put a 20% in here if I had five teams or something like that. I don't know. Jordan is just trying. He wants his five-man stack, and then he wants the best players around his five-man stack. That's what Jordan's going to do here. Um, we can talk a little bit more about primary, secondary on another show, um, but, but we're getting inside Jordan's head here, and uh, let's kind of see what we get here. I'm going to build 50 lineups. It will take about two minutes. Oh, actually, it's a little bit less because we really restricted the player pool here. The more teams, the more players, the more the more things you have, the lineup builder will take a little bit more time to generate lineups. Um, so you can see here, uh, I want to spend about five to 10 minutes here, and then we're going to cut this one, Jordan. So let's go through how we kind of see what did I just make, right? I, I made 50 lineups. What do I have here? So the first thing I do is I usually go to starting pitchers and I see if my starting pitchers are within reason of kind of what I wanted and what in my head, right? You said you, you might've liked Wheeler tonight. You were fine with him getting up to a hundred. Looks like the, the projections like him too, because we got 90% Zach Wheeler here and we got a pretty even distribution around the range here, right? So if I didn't want 90% Wheeler, maybe I, I would go to like a 75 and then it would kind of fill in everybody else here. But this is how you kind of make the lineups how you actually want to play is you either go position by position. We'll, we'll get to the stacks in a second here. But the first thing I do is I make sure my pitchers are basically around what I actually want them to be in my head. And you can do that with the min max pretty easy. You can even see here. A lot of people don't know this. If you want to see all your Zach Wheeler lineups, you can click on the 90% and all your Zach Wheeler lineups come up over here on the right. So if you wanted to actually see, oh, my Tyler Molly lineup, what do my eight Molly lineups look like? You can see those pretty easily. You can tinker with them over here, but um, I typically go to starting pitcher first, Jordan. Well, I do that, and as well as uh, the first thing I notice in this build is that I want it to be underweight on Colorado stacks. Yep. And obviously the projections love Colorado. Yeah. These and it turns out I'm getting way, way too much Colorado. Yep. So I would go right into the build rules and then go to the hitter stacks and then set Colorado. Since I set uh, the Giants up to 28, mm -hmm. I'll put the Colorado now at 12 because yep. that now it all equals 100. And then I may even like up 
uh, like maybe Boston, who's an expensive stack, and put them mm-hmm. up to like maybe 25. Yeah. And if, if the slate was smaller, uh, I'll typically zero out if Jordan's not using the secondary stack to make the math a little easier. You just got to, it's it's kind of a, you got to remember the teams that you had from the first side in, in Jordan's strategy here and understand that even though your stack exposure is set at 580, it's really not. Um, you just got to kind of remember the, the math here. So let's build uh, the 50 lineups again real quick. And we'll kind of see this on the stack summary. We'll, we'll move over to that. And you can see that Colorado was probably one of the higher stacks. They've now been moved to basically our fourth stack that we're using. So just by doing that, we're getting a lot more of the other teams. We're getting a lot less Colorado. Um, we're also not getting too many Cubs. So maybe we need to tweak a couple things. If you wanted some more Cubs, you can boost them up a little bit. Um, but between the player exposures at pitcher, You'll see here, right, I, I, I dumped Wheeler down to 75. We landed there pretty easily. It boosted everybody else up a little bit. But then you want to see your stack summary as well to make sure you're getting the stacks you actually want, right? If Jordan didn't want to go pretty heavy on San Francisco, we might have to change some things around here. I also want to show also in adjusting like one-off usage from yep. the stacks. So if you go to the play exposures right now, you see two very chalky uh, players from Colorado there, Story and Dahl. Yep. And that player exposure of like over 50% isn't in the stacks. It's just that Story and Dahl are being used as one-offs a lot in your other stacks. And let's say, uh, especially uh, with, with positional scarcity, I may not mind having a lot of Trevi's, Trevor Story one-offs. Yep. But David Dahl, in a, obviously in a 15-game slate, there are a ton of outfielders. Mm-hmm. I may not want a chalky David Dahl as a one-off in stack. So I'll go to maybe his individual player yep. projection line and set his max exposure at maybe 25%. All right. So I'll throw him at 25%. And this is, this is kind of what, um, you know, we were talking about early where it's not a click a button. You get exactly what you want. You have to go in here and you got to add your own special touches to it. Right. You know, we wanted a certain amount of wheeler, Jordan wants to take Dow down. So, right, we, we went from 58%, and we'll click the, the build lineups here, and we're going to have half as much David Dahl as we just had, and he won't be appearing in as many one-offs on the next build. And as you can see here, David Dahl, where is he? Well, he's right at 20, 22% because we lowered him just enough to kind of get him in there. And that also looks like his 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 total of eleven lineups. Yep. Looks like mostly David Dahl is only in Colorado stacks. Yeah, we have twelve Colorado stacks here, so it's looking like he's probably just going to appear in those now for the most part. So, you got some tips and tricks from Jordan on how to make what I would call a, a more narrowly focused build. Um, we'll, we'll try to do one some point next week where we expand on them a little bit. If you want to have you know, this is if none of these teams are the highest scoring or even the second highest scoring or the third highest scoring, Jordan's probably not going to make any money tonight, right? He's he's trying for the win, which is a very good strategy, right? We're trying to get that top prize. But if none of these teams is in the top three or four in scoring, he's probably going to lose close, if not all, of his entry fees tonight. And there's ways to kind of mitigate that where you're not as focused as Jordan, but you're also less likely to lose your entire kind of what I like to call portfolio on a single night. So there's a lot of different ways to play. I don't think there's a wrong way 
I don't think there's a right way. It's all based on trying to play how you want to play based on your risk tolerances and what you're trying to accomplish. And that's what we're trying to show you basically with all these videos on lineup HQ. So we got some good thoughts from Jordan and we'll, we'll run it back at some point next week. Maybe we can expand, uh, show you a different type of build. How does that sound, Jordan? Sounds good to me. Maybe, maybe this is the build that wins tonight. It could be. Yes. Let's take, we screenshot this lineup and this, this will be the one that neither one of us entered that wins the hundred thousand tonight. So uh, thanks to all you for watching. If you ever have lineup HQ questions, you can email in to support. You can send me a DM on Roto-Grinders, DM me on Twitter. The DMs are always open and uh, I'll try to help you out as best I can. And if I can't, uh, I'll find someone else that can help you. Jordan, it was fun having you here on Roto-Grinders. Looking forward to all your content. Um, if you're on those soccer streets, watch out. Jordan is out there trying to take your money. A uh, very, very good DFS player is, uh, is Mr. Jordan. So uh, we're going to head on out of here. Thanks to everybody for watching uh, and stay tuned next week. Uh, we'll try to get another one of these in for you. Uh, just a, a different way to build, uh, kind of be a, a big, bigger, wider portfolio, something like that. Uh, any final thoughts, Jordan? No, if you have any questions, I'm always in the, the Roto-Grinders Discord. I'm pretty active in the premium MLB and uh, the back channel. So if, if you're going through lineup HQ and uh, have any, any questions about uh, any of the settings or limiting your player pool like this, just mention me there. And, uh, and leave the discussion up to even other people in the chat. We'd love to have you there. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Um, we'll see you next week. We are chat.